welcome to another episode of Paranormal, The New Normal. I am your host, as always, Jeremy, trying to make this world seem a little more normal, which these days is damn near impossible. But my guest tonight, I am very pleased to have, my guest is Isabeau Maxwell. And yeah, I did the name right. You got, you got it right. Yep. <laughs> and she is a psychic medium, one of my favorite types of people to talk to because they have such insightful information for everybody. So how are you doing tonight, Bo? I'm great. Thank you for having me on the show. And my pleasure. I'm always glad to have a, another medium on. It's just, they, it's the best conversations I have, honestly. Sorry to my other guests, but it's true. It's just simply true. So the first question I always ask everybody is, how did you get into the paranormal slash spiritual world? Well, I'll tell you, I didn't sign up for it. It wasn't something that I thought, you know, here we go. This is what I want to do. I, it's safe to say that I was skeptic, not active skeptic, because we know active skeptics, <laughs> but I just, it wasn't in my realm, spirituality, religion. It just wasn't part of my social circles or, you know, my environment. And I did the Methodist church thing when I was a little kid, but, you know, as a teenager, I was I pretty much said I'm done. And my parents were like, cool. So we let that go. And I was 32 years old. Just to give you perspective, like my degree from college is in mathematics. Like I'm, you know, run businesses and things like this. So for me, it was a real shock when this all happened I was 32. My grandmother passed away and she was halfway across the country. So I wasn't with her at the time. I was with the family over the phone, but I was still long distance. And a couple, not long that same day after she passed, she ended up uh, presenting herself to me in the living room. And I was uh, frightened would be the word that I would use to be very <laughs> direct about it. Um and I was frightened because the way she showed herself, it was, I was alone in the home. It was the middle of the day. And I remember standing there literally trying to decide, do I fall apart emotionally or do I get a plane ticket? Right. I was trying to plan out my afternoon because I just lost the woman that was closest to me. And um, she stood in front of me. So there's a couple of things. It wasn't out of the corner of my eye. It was right in front of me, about 10 feet in front of me. And she was about 70% solid. And that was why it was so impactful. I remember like jumping backwards and it really, it really took me for a fright. And the, the first thing I said out loud, I remember saying is if that's really you don't ever do that again. And it was just a panic. Right. And then a little bit later I thought, well, what if it is her? Right. Cause I was going through grief and I really wanted to connect with her. So I reached out to a Tai Chi instructor. <laughs> Jeremy, that's the only person I knew that was even remotely close to anything spiritual and uh, asked him for help. And he showed me how to do yes and no intuition questions and start to open up lines of communication. And it took a while, but eventually I started to see, see her again. And I, then I could hear her. And then I started to see other spirits, which led me into talking to friends about it which led me into becoming a professional medium. And today I now teach people how to access their intuition. Fascinating as could be, which, I mean, one, you got to your first experience, you get to see almost like a full Ghostbusters style apparition, which is just amazing. 
Yeah. And, and I love to tell people right out of the gate, like I've only seen a spirit that strongly, maybe a handful of times in the last 17 years. And um, so it, it, it doesn't work like that for me. I do see very transparent, but uh, yeah, she, she was going to make sure she drove this point home. Yeah. Which I mean, that, I mean, yeah, from, from all the people I talk to who can connect with spirits or who just have see just see them a full, a full body apparition is a very rare thing most people mm -hmm. only see either shadowy figures or fog-like figures or you don't even see them you just hear them but exactly. so i mean that's that's a rare experience right there that definitely is and but is it comforting that you can talk to your deceased grandmother like is that is that a comforting thing or i mean it, it was comforting um for a while and then it wasn't and then it was <laughs> so what happened was um i i struggled with belief i struggled very hard with believing this could could be true but i was battling myself because i wanted it to be true i did not want to lose her and i asked her for proof there was one afternoon that she delivered a ridiculous proof and i said okay i'm on board that was the day that i said okay I can't deny this anymore. You can't make this up. I, this is real. And once I did that, then the communication started. It was almost like when I when I finally shed that skepticism, which took months. When I finally shed that, it was almost as if it opened up even further. And then I started to communicate with her. And it was like, um, I was excited because I had my grandma. I had this like channel with her that I, I was never going to lose her. And that was super comforting, super comforting. I talked to her about my relationships and what's going on in my life. And so I was just continuing my relationship with her. Fast forward a few more months, I was in the grocery store and all of a sudden I saw more spirits for the first time other than her. And I remember running, legit running out of the grocery store. And I look back and I think that had to be really funny for some people to see, but I got in my car and she, my grandmother was there in the passenger seat because she was frequently in the passenger seat for me. And I looked at her and said, did you, did you see that? And she's like, well, what did you think was going to happen? And I was like, I thought you and me were just going to hang out for the rest of my life. <laughs> she goes, no, honey, it doesn't work like that. So, and then that's where I started to see more. So it, it went from me thinking it was one thing to finding out it was something very different. So the second question I usually ask in my show is what, well, I mean, you kind of already answered it in some, in one way, but so I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase it a little bit. What, ex, what experiences have you had beyond seeing your grandmother? Oh, a lot. <laughs> all right. A lot. Yeah, I'm I, yeah, I'm an all-in kind of girl. So if I'm going to do something, you know, I dive right in. And and once that opened up, I said, all right, let's go. Well, let me phrase it this way then, because I, okay. I do get that. I do get I do get answers like that a lot. So I had to come up with a way to move around that. Yeah. What was... Sorry about that. My computer just like shut me down and said not enough memory to <laughs> yeah, 
I'm like, what? What? <laughs> okay. I, I, Go for it. Yeah. So, um, so what I'll ask then is what is the most amazing experience you ever had and what is the most terrifying experience you ever had? Okay. The most amazing experience I ever had, I was working, I was, I was assisting a family whose mother was passing in hospice in their home and amazing family. I got to know the woman who was dying. Uh, I went home every night because I was there every single day, uh, committed to be sort of a spiritual support for them. And I went home, I woke up the next day and I was driving back to their house, which they knew I was going to be there every day at the same time. So there was really, that was a regular thing at this point. And the woman who passed had passed the night before, but I didn't know. And she showed up in my car excited that she, she's like, I did it. And I was, I was like, you did it. You did it. And I got there and, um, and she also asked me to ask them to sing that one particular song or no, or thank them for singing the song that they sang. So I got there and, and shared that with them. It turns out she had passed early that morning. They sang her a song. Now that's not the most amazing thing I I've experienced. It was with her after that fact, or right around that time. Sorry to go back in my memory here. I haven't talked about this story in a very long time. It was right before, right around her passing that I walked out into their woods because they had about four acres and they had this little pond. And I remember seeing this light that, I'll put it this way. If I was interested in, in like aliens, I would have instantly thought it was sort of a spaceship kind of blobular light. It was just, it was really out of place and very clear. And it just, sh it just like um, kind of hummed, but shown, I, it's hard to explain. And I was standing there and I was just taking a breather by myself outside in the backyard. And all of a sudden I knew that it was her and her name was Carol. And I remember looking up at this thing saying, Carol, and I just got overwhelmed with, with, with this feeling that I can't even put words to. And I realized that that was her on the other side. Like that was her in this like heightened, incredible spiritual form. And it was one of the most moving things I've ever experienced. Hard to put words to, as you can see, as you can see, but yeah, that was uh absolute, that was beautiful. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen was that energy. That was really cool. Which, it makes you wonder with the way you just said that, that maybe some supported or maybe some supposed UFO things people have they're seeing something else that is not UFO related at all. It so. could be because it was, it was, you know, disc in It was just, um, and it kind of expanded and it, and it glowed. I wouldn't say it was solid. I wouldn't go that far, but it was enough to be like, that's an object and it's huge and expansive. And then all of a sudden it clicked with my brain. I'm like, Carol, is that you? And just like, so, and I've never, other than that time, I've never seen, a spirit or a higher self or, or anything like that in that form other other than that it's always been in, in regular human form so that was the most beautiful thing that i've ever seen the scariest thing so i'll start by saying this i've done spiritual clearings for about 15 years now and i've done everything from a quick sweep of a house to full-on ghost investigations with individuals to exorcisms so i've got the whole 
you know, um, gamut of the things that I have seen. But I will say the most scary thing that I personally experienced was going to a home to clear it. We struggled getting the schedule. Usually we had to reschedule, reschedule, reschedule. I finally uh, got the date and we got, we went out there. I went out there and I walked into the home and I instantly got a sensation of a knife going through me. Um, and it, and it came, it kind of came up <laughs> in the leg region and it came and so I can feel in my leg. I'm like, I'm being stabbed by a knife and it felt so real that I, I had to look and see if someone was like, if a person was behind me, but nothing was happening. So it was definitely this distinct feeling that I will never forget. And I looked back once I knew this was not a human thing happening to me. Also, might I say at this point in my, my work, I had never run into anything like this before. So this was a first once I knew it wasn't a living person affecting me, I looked up and that's when I saw the male spirit and he had the look on his face was just game on. He, he was just ready to hurt me in any way or shape or form that he could. Now I don't really take lightly to that kind of stuff. And I'm pretty much kind of a, I'll go in the ring with you if you really need me to kind of person. So I was like, no, we're not doing this. You're not touching me again in my head, you know, cause I've got these homeowners who are standing there and I'm not about to terrify them right out of the gate. Right. Yeah. In my head, I'm like, mm -mm, no, we're not doing this game. I will say that it took me over an hour to clear this gentleman and cross him over gentlemen's being nice. Right. Um, and that's a long time for me. So it took a lot of intent, a lot of willpower, a lot of draw the line in the sand it was, uh, it took a lot for me to get him to cross over. I mean, I had to like push really to make this happen. We get all done. And through this event, I had told the homeowner everything that I see, feel and hear with, you know, you leave out some of the really scarier stuff, but yeah. she was like, tell me everything, tell me everything. And I said, well, I'm, I'm seeing this image of him. He's sitting on a chair and there's a young man. I think this guy portrayed himself as like a doctor and I can see him having a fascination with like letting out of blood of other people. So clearly he's murdered. Clearly he's murdered more than one person. And you know, he's just really cocky. And I, so I told her things like this. Also the other interesting thing, this, this spirit was so physically strong, not physically strong, but strong in the, in the molecular physical world that the spirit was bragging to me that he had hurt the male homeowner and sent him to the hospital, but they couldn't find anything wrong. And when I said that, the, the homeowner just panicked because a couple of weeks earlier, he woke up paralyzed from the legs down and they went to the emergency room. So the living male homeowner went to the emergency room um and and was there all day i guess or maybe a day or two and it turned out they couldn't find any reason for it and then it was just gone then he was fine and that really hit me and this is this is so this is my most extreme case of being able to see what a spirit can do in that strength so we get done i go home spirits crossed over the woman contacts me a couple of days later and she says, I've been kind of obsessed with everything you said. Cause obviously when you, when a medium comes in and says something like, you know, you went to the hospital and they couldn't find out what was wrong and 
and then that matches up for them. It makes it very real for them because it is. And so she was fascinated. She's like, I was really curious to try to figure out maybe who it was. And she said, I think I found out who it was. Turns out it was the, I don't know, like, it's like, like 90th anniversary of the death of a, a, of a local serial killer. And I was like, well, that makes sense to have that kind of vicious, you know, energy and to have been deceased for that long and have that much time in linear time still to be able to, to kind of work with and play with the molecules and people and affect things. That would make sense. Why he was so strong. It would. I mean, and evil spirits usually are just stronger because of their evil. I mean, evil, evil is strong. Same as they say evil doesn't die. The people who are the most evil usually live a long life unless something tragic happens to them. So yeah. the way that the way that it's always presented itself to me is, you know, we have three bodies. This is how I explain it to people. We've got three bodies. We've got the physical body. We've got the spiritual body, which is our spirit on the other side. And then we have the programming body, which is our human mind linked into this linear timeline. When we die, we let go of the physical body only. And when we go through what people, what I call the in-between, people call it different things, but I call it the in-between when we're transitioning uh, to the other side, before we cross over, we still have the programming mind. We are still the exact same person we were on earth. We just don't have a physical body. And you know, as well as I do, to be unlimited, to have the linear time mind, this mind frame, like, and your name is this, and this is what you did, and this is who you are, and this is your, your personality, to still have that without the limitation of a physical body can open up doorways for, for people who are supposed to be transitioning, crossing over, to instead of transitioning, staying in that in-between and affecting the living. Which makes sense. And I, yeah, I mean, I know that all too well because I live in a currently haunted house and I, I possibly have someone that was on my show coming coming to my house in November to try to cleanse it because it's getting to a creepy point. And we originally thought it was just a, a couple that built and lived in the house. But now we're starting to think, now we're starting to think there may be more people than just those two. So, mm hmm. Well, so, and it makes sense, doesn't it? That because this is the work you do. So when you talk about it frequently, when it's when it when you're connecting frequently and having discussions, you know, whatever we talk about, we bring about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do get. It's funny how many psychics and mediums have told me, like, at the end of a show, like, there's a spirit right next to you. And like, it's never the same spirit. And yep. it's like, if it was always the same spirit, I would be a little quite like, actually, I don't know. Maybe I question it more because it's not always the same spirit. I don't know. It's just yeah. like, I don't know. But I mean, I trust every single medium that's been on my show. So because I, after the conversations I have with them, I just can't think they would lie to me about something like that. Like, I just seems very unlikely. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, a lot of people um, in, in my shoes would actually um very few so i'll say it this way very few people would step into this um lying about it because most of us that step into it we didn't really sign up for it do you know what i mean it's not something that was like yes yeah here we go this is what this is what i want to do i mean i i did two years of therapy 
you know, when I opened up because I, I was, I had to start telling people who were in my circle that this was happening to me. And a lot of the people in my circle went right to schizophrenia. You're crazy, you know? And so it, it's, it's not something you step into because you, you want to more often than not. Yeah. The, the first question I always ask most, most psychics say, this is not something I plan to do. I've had a couple say, yes, my mother could do it. My grandmother could do it. I was taught from a young age to do it, but that's a rare thing these days. Now it's more, when I, in my thirties, my late twenties, it just started happening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so you say you teach people how to do this now. Mm -hmm. So do you, is everybody capable of being an intuitive? Is, is everybody capable of seeing spirits at least, or learning to be, learning to be able to talk to them eventually? Absolutely. Every single person I tell people if, if I can do this because I'm type a, you know, stubborn Taurus earth-based logical one plus one is two. If someone like me can open up their intuition to the level that I've opened it up, we all can. And I have been teaching people to do this since 2007. I, I, it's been a long time. So I've taught thousands and thousands of people and it's all a matter of, uncovering what's blocking it really because we have a lifetime of building up these these blocks and these blinders and and things to kind of disconnect us from the spiritual realm which is completely fine and somebody doesn't have to open up if they don't want to they can live a lifetime not focused on that but everyone can do this everyone can access their intuition and everyone's intuition strong people say well what about the famous people on tv that are you know standing up and that's their job that's what they do every single day. Do you know what I mean? So it it's just a matter of people understanding that it's not a gift. It's not something special. It's just, did that person focus on doing it? Yeah. I tend to think a lot of the people that are on TV, like especially, um, what's his name? John Edwards. Was his, um, is that the right one I'm thinking of? Yeah, John like, Edwards. I, I mean, to me, they're. I don't think they're real. I, some of them I do, some of them I don't. That's, that's a guess what I would say. And without dropping any names on which way I believe, this is what I'll say. If a real intuitive is standing, if somebody who's really, not a real intuitive, because everyone is, but if somebody um, has open abilities, they've opened their channel and they're standing in front of a group of people. If someone comes through from the other side, they're going to know who that person is and who the person's connected to. So I tend to shy away from anyone that's like, someone on the right side of this building had somebody die of a heart attack. Like I, that's that's a game I can't get on board with, but there are professionals yeah. who, um, and I will drop this name, Lisa Williams. She is legit. And if you watch her, especially in the earlier years when she did large group readings for thousands of people, she got off the stage, walked into the crowd, connected eyes with a woman and said, your son's coming through. That's a real intuitive. But this whole numbers thing doesn't yeah, for me. The, the whole John Edwards thing of somebody whose name starts with a A, no, okay, yeah, like it's. I mean, South, South, South Park, they dropped tearing him apart. So I don't mm -hmm. need to do it for them. But <laughs> so, yeah, and, yeah. And I did, I did group readings for a short period of time. I didn't like them. Um, they felt very performative and I'm not a performer type. Um, and it just, if someone came through, it came through with 
that person over there, you know, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't usually very general. Um, sometimes a medium, there is sort of a general area, like where there's five or six people that the person's standing around. But if the medium's really good, another really good medium that I've experienced firsthand is Joanne Gerber. Um, I've been to one of her live events. I actually wrote about that live event in my, in my memoirs in my book, because it was really powerful, but she had a young man come through and point blank talked about his favorite ice cream to how old he was. I mean, for this family and, it, and that's legit, but someone named Tom or Mary or John, and they lived on a farm and they had a heart condition and they smoked. That's, that's just too, that's, that's vague. just not, yeah, it's too vague. It's too vague. Yeah. It's too vague. I mean, yeah, I mean, cause even the, even the psychics who tell me like after a show, like there's someone right next to you. Like I said, I just had this happen on, um, I didn't do a show on Monday. It, it was last week, like on Thursday, I think on Thursday, last, Thursday last week I did a show. And at the end, she, she basically told me my old roommate who died, who died when the trailer we used to live in before I moved out burned down. Like he died in that fire. And yeah. apparently, apparently he was trying to apologize to me. And I'm like, and I'm like, there's no way anybody could have known that about me. There's like, I always like put it in perspective of like, they can't Google and find this stuff out because it's not out there just sitting there waiting for people to find out about it. So yeah, this, this is my, this is my friend. We don't have the same last name. We have nothing in common besides being friends. So it was just, I mean, yeah, if it's vague, then yeah. I mean, well, and to be fair, some of the information that comes through is vague. Like um, Teresa Caputo, for example, there are people now because of the way her show, what is she called? Long Island medium because of the way that her show is edited um people approach mediums thinking that everything that comes out is ridiculous proof whereas and, and that's only because of the editing they don't show her whole reading right the whole hour of her reading they just show the big um you know evidence hits and that is exactly how it happens you know a piece will come through about a type of a dog or a type of a something like this and then there's some information that that can sometimes feel vague but if in an hour you're getting four or five pieces of information that no one would have could have known then you know that this is really communication happening and um you know so some of the tv stuff is has kind of done a disservice and you're in the paranormal realm. I, I I love, I have students and members talking to me all the time, asking me this question all the time, is ghost hunting scary? And I'm like, for the most part, no. Um, you know, because I watch it on TV, they say, and it, it seems so scary. And I'm like, well, watch it on mute. And then you'll get a better feel for what a ghost investigation is like, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't watch any of those ghost hunter shows because it's just... It's the most of them are so freaking ridiculous and fake. The like I had drama. I had I had paranormal investigators come to my house, and it is nothing like that to my mm -hmm. audience. It's the, it is nothing like that. They literally they ask the ghost questions with divining rods and with a spirit box and a couple other tools that I can't think of the name of. But yeah. and I mean they did their job and they determined they they only thought there were two spirits in this house. I mean maybe there was other spirits that either came after or just were hiding at the time and didn't want to reveal themselves. But I don't know. I have, I have a, um, a woman from Salem, Massachusetts, which is like an hour away from me coming in November. 
and she's I mean she's a psychic she's a medium and she has like 20 other titles because she's into everything paranormal but yeah which to, to own a business in Salem you kind of have to do that yeah, <laughs> that's true your business card needs to be pretty uh pretty detailed but so a, a while back you mentioned the in between mm-hmm. so I'm kind of curious what do you think happens when people die well there's a lot uh in general what happens is, uh, so like I said, first we let go of the physical body, completely let go of it for the first time since we've had that life. We go through the in-between. The, one of the biggest reasons to go through this sort of in-between space is to disconnect from linear time. and Because there's no linear time on the other side. It's not until we're here and in a body that we experience Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So it's that that third body, that programming body, that programming mind that we have that is what's stuck in linear time. And now going through this in between, there's there's sort of layers, you know, and as you get closer and closer to the other side, which is typically automatic, it's typically an automatic pull. You know, people worry, am I going to get stuck? No, no. Listen to however many people have had near death experiences. It's an automatic pull. But through that pull, we go through a transition where we need to review every moment that we've had. Now, I don't believe in locational, uh, you know, faith-based religion type structures like heaven or hell. I believe in here and there, this this side and the other side. And when we go through the transition, we, we literally review every moment we've had, everything that we've done to each person from as many angles as we can review it from. And that process disconnects that programming linear mind from the spirit. And then the spirit crosses back over. So that's the general gist of what I've experienced. I find the in-between to be very psychological. I find it to be um, very beautiful and it can be lightning. Like you can light, not enlightening, but you can feel lighter and lighter and lighter as you go. Or I've seen it be very much a struggle for people who have a lot of fear and terror around perhaps what's happening to them, or, you know, most of the things that go bump in the night end up, you know, the negative things that go bump in the night. I'm not talking about, you know, Aunt Joyce, because sometimes, you know, she'll she'll in spirit form make noises too. But those that are more, um, you know, the mean spirits, we'll call them they can most often than not get stuck because they're fearful of this concept that they're going to hell. So they stop the whole transition process and then they continue on with the patterns that they did before just without the physical body. Which makes sense. I mean, and so do you believe that there are some type of like, I'll call them like heavenly beings or like underworld beings? I do believe there are beings. I believe that it's the it's us as humans who have the concept of right or wrong, good and bad. And because uh, you, you really can't have that concept if you don't have linear time. So when we're here on Earth, we hold the concept of good or bad, uh, you know, the judgment of something being uh, light or dark, et cetera, et cetera. With that said, I do believe there is a v- various forms of beings. Uh, other planets, uh, you know, creatures that are here doing work for different reasons. I've had a number of different, uh, not 
a lot of experiences, but I've had experiences where I've seen different creatures that I thought, okay, that's not normal. Um, and some of them can be malicious, just like in the human world as well. Some of them can be, but most of them are going to be here, you know, in a helpful sense. Um, I've never seen anything demonic. I've never seen anything that had like a badge or a label that said it could, its whole purpose in, in creation was to hurt. Um, if I've seen anything harmful, it was either in the category of a being from a different uh, dimension or planet that was playing around or doing something they weren't supposed to do, or a spirit that crossed, that was in the process of crossing over. That was a very, um, there was a perpetrator in life. So those are the only things that I've ever really seen, but I haven't seen that demonic experience. Now, with that said, we also have to remember that everyone's going to see these because we're not really seeing them, not with our, they're not in solid form. So depending on where a person, where a medium or an intuitive or just an individual is on the globe, depending on their culture, depending on the uh, words and titles that they have learned in order to attach to things to describe them, they're going to use different terms for different things. I just happen to not be religious. I mean, yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. I was brought up completely, completely Christian Protestant. And I just, as a teenager, I kind of, you know, swayed away from that. And I just, I became atheist for a long time. And then eventually I changed that to agnostic, agnostic because I started to believe like there's got to be something else going on. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Aliens. I mean, I, I like to think it's aliens, but, but I mean, there's also, uh, I mean, yeah, I like to think it's aliens or something because there's just so much proof of like the angels that people saw coming down in ancient times could have been aliens mm -hmm. coming down and whatnot. Or, and there could be aliens that like reptilians that look like demons. So, Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's so I that's kind of how I see it. Um on the other side, the way that it was uh taught to me by my first guide, on the other side, we have a higher self. It's like a large ball of light, right? And we take a little piece of that light out and we shove it into a lifetime into a body. It would be naive to think that earth is the only location we send life's lives to, right? And it would also be naive to think that we're the smartest creatures out there because <laughs> that's not the case. <laughs> no. And so our, high, our higher self, even, so to bring it even to a personal level for people, your higher self, it is very possible that you had a lifetime or multiple lifetimes on a different planet. And on different planetary, you know, in different planetary realms, the intelligence level can be higher. The physical body can be completely um different biologically you know i've heard somebody discuss uh alien spaceships before where um i'm not gonna use the right words but that the ship was almost bio or like organic so that the the, the actual alien could connect with the ship on kind of a bio level yeah and bioorganic yeah there we go yeah and so i i don't doubt any of that i don't doubt any of that but like I've had experiences, I know people who have had experiences and I have picked up on the energy of aliens at different points, um, never picked up on anything that would be categorized as a demon. Well, well, since you kind of said that, let me ask you this. What do you think about starseeds? It's funny you bring that up. 
Uh, just recently, my guide brought brought that up with me again. And I had heard about it years ago. So I'm going to say it this way, starseeds and indigo children. Those are both kind of, they're sort of similar, right? They are, They pretty much are the same thing. They pretty much are the same thing. Okay. Ind when, indigo children is just another name for starseeds. Okay. When I, um, so obviously I don't know a ton about it. Um, but when I started to hear the term indigo children, it didn't sit right with me. I'm going to be very direct about that. It just didn't sit right with me. Um, and I didn't know why until recently my guide brought it up again in a discussion that I was having with him around uh, labels and names and terms. And he was very clear that indigo child or not starseed or not uh, all you need to do is take out the special factor and then you have the reality, which is probably every single being that's ever been here has also been where starseed children have been um, or indigo children. There's no um, superiority or hierarchy or, um, you know, there's no special factor around it. And when someone can let that go, then they can actually link deeper into that source that they were identifying with. So I guess what I'm saying is, if Starseed was one ballroom in a building, when you finally let go of the idea that only certain people were allowed in that ballroom, then you can actually experience the full ballroom. So it's it's that label, it's that identity piece of, well, you know, I, I'm you know I'm this thing or I'm that thing, which explains this or that. It's when somebody takes it to an identification point that it actually limits them from experiencing the actual connection of it. I hope that makes sense. It makes sense. I mean, it does. It, I mean, I just, I don't know. I mean, I've talked to a couple of star seeds in this show and to me, it just seems like, I don't know. I mean, but then again, I believe in aliens and extraterrestrials so much that like, to me, there's no doubt they exist. So it makes sense that they would, that some of them who are from, I mean, but then again, there's so many theories on extraterrestrials, like, anti-dimensional do they come from our space like like where they come from like there's so many theories on that that i can't even begin to explain what i believe it's just so many yeah. theories mixed in my head <laughs> there's but, a ton of theories out there and i guess what i'm saying in general is the second you limit something this is the second you don't know something so anything that's spoken about in terms of limitation um perhaps that one group knows more than another group or one group is higher than another group, or I have this insight and somebody else doesn't have this insight. I have access that somebody else doesn't have access to. Once you limit yourself that way, then you, you limit where you can actually grow spiritually. So I think that if somebody was to consider themselves a star seed and approach it knowing that they're consciously aware of their alien experiences on other planets, that's a good thing, right? But it's when I'm a starseed, you're not kind of thing that I that it doesn't sit really well. Because the actual term was coined years ago. And if you dive into um, not indigo children, but the starseed piece, if you dive into it, people have taken branches off of that and turned it into like a superiority thing. You know, um, some have even sadly connected it to race. 
And uh, it can really go it can really go down that limiting spiral. It's the individuals that are just stepping into being a star seed, excited about what they're accessing as a result of the knowledge of it. Those individuals can bring a lot to this world. Uh, which I mean, makes sense. It makes sense. But I got to ask, since you were talking about demons, we tend to attract things in life that we don't want to be like around us, but we still attract them like toxic exes, we'll say, or just bad people in general. Why do we attract them? The Why do we attract like living people or spirit? Well, like bad spirits, bad people. I mean, in, in some senses, they are the same exact thing because. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it depends on what you're doing. If your focus is on working with them, then you're going to attract them. Uh, but if we're talking about uh, someone who's not focused on crossing over work or ghost, you know, investigations or things like this, we're talking about just a person who's going about their, their day-to-day life. Uh, if a negative spirit is attracted to them, it's going to be for a couple of different reasons. Either that individual is calming to that spirit, to that negative spirit. Maybe the negative spirit is, um, just wants to be around someone that they feel calm around. That can actually happen quite frequently. Uh, or the person is um, very similar in pattern to the people that the spirit hurt when they were alive. So, you know, if a spirit before they passed targeted, I don't know, 28-year-old men, right? Then in spirit form, they're going to be attracted to um, coming closer energetically to 28-year-old men. Like the pattern that they've continued will continue in the in-between as well. Which is kind of creepy, which is kind of creepy in a way if you ask me, because I mean, why do children see the most spirits then? Yes, I recall doing one investigation and a clearing, actually, because when we did investigations, the team was great about allowing me to clear the building at the end. Um, But we get into the home and it turns out a male had committed suicide in that home. And the kid, the living child that was there, probably about three years old, um, refused to sleep in their room anymore. This is why the parents brought us in. Come to find out that the male who had passed felt comfort by being around that that child energy like it calmed him and soothed him and so he hung around with the kid and kids energy as you know <laughs> is well, yeah. very calming and very peaceful because it's so pure well not my kids but yeah <laughs> <laughs> my kids a full you, moon, right my kids give you that energy where you want to start drinking but basically (laughs) so when something like that happens how do we keep this energy that we don't want around us away from us like how do we stop attracting these people's energies there's a tool called gcp that is one of my favorite tools and it's real straightforward ground clear protect when you acknowledge that your energetic body is something you know that you need to take care of and just like our physical body we got to put clothes on it to take care of it you know what i mean so you wake up in the morning you put clothes on to take care of your physical body 
put GCP on to take care of your energetic body, that's going to help tremendously. It's kind of a, it's a statement of um, that which is not for my highest good can't come in here can't come in here at all, which is actually what I would recommend you do to your home really is, you know, ground it, anchor it, energetically clear it out. Cause you said you had someone coming to do that. And then, you know, put up a bubble around it that says, you know, if you're not for the highest good, you're not allowed in here. Which makes sense. I mean, I've heard that I've heard it before, but I mean, does it actually work when you try to push negative things away? Like, does it actually work or do they like are some strong enough to stick around? I, I love this question because what I have found, I know a ton of people that do clearing works, clearing work. And what I've found for myself and, and same with them, going back to those three bodies, we here on earth are stronger. If you have all three bodies, physical programming and spiritual, you're actually stronger than a spirit. So your intent is always going to outweigh the spirit's intent. And so really, when you say get out, if your intent is very strong, they don't have any ability to stay. Which makes sense completely. But, and I mean, I don't know, I've had some negative people around me and it's hard to push them away. It takes a lot. Oh, it does. It takes a lot of effort. And we also have to consider how they're connected to us. Um, I personally have had to reach out to a good friend a couple of times to have her help me clear something out, you know, because they, I mean, they can go into your blind spots. It can be that something's going on in your human life. That's causing you to, to struggle with this whole energetic piece. So in the end, if you, you know, like they say, when you, when you run into a bear, make loud noises, when you run into a spirit, get, get really strong intent, but even then, sometimes we all still need to ask for somebody else who has no connection to it. They're completely outside of the situation. Sometimes it's easier for them to come in and clear something out. Which makes sense. But but since we're talking about attracting energy, let's go from the negative to the positive. Yes. Are there such a thing as soulmates? Yes. Yes. I love soulmates. So we talked about the higher self on the other side. It's like a ball of light, right? And then if you imagine a spider web that's multidimensional, it goes in all different directions. At every intersection on that spider web is going to be another higher self, right? The ones that are closest to you on that mass web are going to be your soulmates. Those are going to be the ones that are right next to you on the web. You know, the, the ones out further are in your soul group, but the ones closest to you are going to be those soulmates. And you can take the analogy and think about it. Like if you shook the web, the ones closest to where you're shaking the web are going to feel it. When something happens between you and your soulmate, you, you feel it. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely, I love the concept of soulmates because it's like, you know, a group of you who come in and out of different lives and have different experiences and are really close. I also don't think that they're always romantic. I think sometimes they can be, um, you know, just friendships or family, but it's the ones that have a really tight bond and a ton of impact in your life that are your soulmates. So, I mean, 
I mean, because I mean, like when I like, I believe my wife is my soulmate because I believe we were meant to find each other over time, no matter what. Even though we lived in different states originally, and well, not originally, but we came from different states originally, and we just happened to meet on a dating app that, like, I went through dozens of girls in this app, like, trying to talk to them and everything. Before I met my wife, and it just we synced right away, and it just seemed like we had a lot in common, and that we were just meant to be with each other. But I mean, I just don't. I just don't know what to think about like soulmates because I mean I know so many people who try to meet their soulmates over and over again they never succeed and I mean I know people that are older senior citizens and they just their lives are about to end and they're not they never met the person they're meant to they feel like well I think sometimes we have soulmates that aren't necessarily um a positive experience to be honest it's how much of an impact did they have in their life? I think if somebody uh, only understands the concept of soulmate as being something like out of a romantic movie, then that can be very limiting. There are going to be people who go through their entire life without a romantic soulmate, but perhaps have a best friend or a family member that they are super tight with. But that is a possibility in this lifetime. Doesn't mean that it's going to happen for each person in, in every lifetime. And I love how you say that they're searching for their soulmate. And it, I don't know that we can search for our soulmate. I think it's pretty set in stone that, like you said, you two different states, an app. It, it was a fluke. Some of these um, stories that we hear about people with their soulmates, they meet in really unusual ways and it's because it was really set in stone you were absolutely going to meet and you were going to meet at the perfect time exactly which i mean i think like you said though, a lot of people are looking for soulmates like in movies like they want like the movie soulmates like like uh sleepless in seattle or you got mail like it just they, yeah. they want that kind of rom-com like soulmate find which yeah it's not gonna happen yeah and, and people say well then what do you do right well this is what you do if you're single and you're looking for that partner that that is that per, as perfect of a partner together with you as possible focus on you being the best version of yourself and then you will energetically attract the perfect fit for you which see i wasn't even doing that at that point i was just trying to focus on life but <laughs> well that's my point is you're trying to focus on life and you're trying you weren't focused on searching do you know what i mean well i kind of was too i mean i'm always i've always been a hopeless romantic so i mean oh I'm always, I was, whenever i'm whenever I, whenever I was single in my life i was searching always but well yeah for me i wasn't you know i'm i'm with my soulmate and uh, i had no intention of of i wasn't looking at all you know, and I didn't meet my soulmate until I was 43. So, and at that point I had stepped out of a, a 20 year marriage, um, happily stepped out of a 20 year marriage with not with a soulmate. And, uh, you know, I, I was fine. I was ready to just sort of live my best life on my own. And, uh, next thing you know, boom, run into him downtown. It's like, all right. There it is. Which, which that's just the way it happens sometimes, and you got to go with that. But just like but, you said, I was focused on life. I was focused on living my life, and when we focus on that, we attract 
what benefits our life. Exactly. Which, speaking of benefiting your life, how can someone start to access their intuition if they think they have the ability? Or if they think they have some beginning of the ability? If like they're ready to, right? Exactly. right? Everyone can. So it's a matter of, are you ready to? If you're ready to. So what I what I did a long time ago, I took the five tools that I found were the most effective for people. And I put them together um, in a free course. Because anyone, everyone, I personally think should take this course. You can watch the videos, apply the tools in your own life, and they're very powerful tools. So that course is on on my website on uh, thesagemethod.com. And I tell people, start there. They're free. They're super simple. They're kind of fun. And that is your step forward to say, okay, I'm ready to see what happens when I open up my intuitive channel. Which makes sense. So what tips if someone wants to connect with a spirit guide to start their mentorship to start learning to do this what are you what are the tips you recommend to try to find a good spirit guide because i mean there are just like everything there's scam artists out there trying to just get money out of you and they may just be teaching you nothing but stuff they made up in their head absolutely <laughs> absolutely well this is why i this is why i put those tools together because it's like you know it, you don't need to really spend the money to do this. This is a natural thing. All you need to do is invest some time with yourself to be able to say, okay, let me understand this, this, and let me understand this a little bit deeper and, and then start moving forward in your day-to-day -day practices. But what I'll tell you here, and this is part of the, the, that five tools course, but the three things that are most impactful when it comes to connecting with your spirit guides is number one, commitment, five minutes a day, like not just once a week, right? Make it a regular part of your existence so that it so that it becomes a regular part of your energy field every single day. Five minutes a day is all it takes. Second thing would be think in terms of being on the team, not in terms of getting answers, right? When I first met my spirit guides and team, I wanted to know everything. What are my kids going to be when they grow up? How much longer am I going to live in this house? You know, like I wanted all those psychic questions answered. And I learned very quickly that your spirit guides are working for you. They are working for you to get you from A to B. If you approach them saying, what is it that you want me to know? What you guides, what do you want me to know to help this team process? That's when communication cracks open a whole lot faster. And then lastly, defocus. Defocus. We, we try so hard to see things intuitively. But if you're focused on the material world, you're not looking at the space where the intuition messages are. So find a way to defocus. Scrying, staring at a candle, um, closing your eyes, meditating, whatever it is, defocus. Even those three tips play around with them for a little bit and you'll see, you'll see stuff start to happen. The, I, I've had so many psychics tell me that they think I do have like a beginning of the intuition starting to happen. since I started this show mm -hmm. because I'm talking about this stuff more and I'm bringing this stuff closer to me, but I have such a problem meditating. Like to me, it's just, I'm wasting my time if I meditate. Cause I have so much to do. Like yeah. I, I, I run two podcasts. I, Am on other ones constantly, even though I don't run them. Like it's just it's me too. Dumb. I I I can maybe get five minutes of meditation out. So it's not see, it's not the length of time you spend doing it. 
it's the frequency of how often you do it. So five minutes a day is a hundred times more powerful than, than 50 minutes once a week. It's, it really is because it's your, this is why you're starting to open because your intention on a daily basis is focused on the metaphysical world. And that's a beautiful thing. So for me, I can only do five minutes of, you know, kind of relaxing and defocusing. I tell people this way, we've all caught something out of the corner of our eye before. And when we turn to try to see it, we can't see it. And here's why. Corner of your eye, defocused. Your peripheral is defocused. When you turn to look, you are looking at solid objects trying to find it. So any way that you can defocus, five minutes, that's all you got to do. I'd start trying that then every morning or every night, something like that. Yeah. Sometime when the kids, sometime when the kids are not at home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, <laughs> so as, as you can see, my my youngest one likes to annoy the crap out of me. So hey, but that's I'm their good, job. I'm, I'm a good dad. I brush their hair and I paint their nails. I love it. <laughs> and I let her paint mine once years ago, but I wouldn't do it anymore because I'm a manager now and I can't have that. <laughs> but <laughs> so tell listeners where they can find your book, where they can find out more about you if they want to, where they can look into your services, just sell yourself. Well, if I love, I love your channel. And if somebody's really fascinated with the paranormal, I'd, I'd tell them to go over to YouTube and look for something called the other side chats. That's my YouTube channel that is focused strictly on mediumship, crossing over uh, spirits, ghost investigating, et cetera, et cetera. But in general, you can find everything at the main website, which is the sagemethod.com. So T-H-E-S-A-G-E method.com. Perfect. I will put those links in the description as well when I release the episode. That's awesome. And as all my listeners know, you know where you can find me. Thank you for listening, and I will catch you all next week.